Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we are back in our series in the book of James called The Matters of Real Christianity. We are at the end of chapter one, and we will be looking at compassion, a matter of the heart. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of James and follow along with Pastor Roy. This being Compassion Sunday, I want to take you to an isolated spot on a dangerous road in the Middle East known as the Bloody Pass. The road at the time of this event was more of a narrow, twisting, winding path that had cliffs and caves on either side of it. And there were lots of places for thugs to hide. This particular place, the Bloody Pass, it's also called the Bloody Way, got its name because of the violence that commonly occurred there. Unfortunately, there was one man in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was attacked by bandits and he was left half dead. Tossed to the side of the road, he was bleeding and certainly would die without help. The bandits even stripped him of his clothes. You recognize the story? It's one of the most well-known parables that Jesus told in the Gospels called the Good Samaritan. Most of us have heard it so many times, we just gloss over it and say, well, yeah, yeah, I understand. People in trouble and stuff like that, I got it. We're supposed to help them. And we move on. But I want us to look again at that story. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, Beginning in verse 25, we want to look at this account and make a few comments about it in relationship to compassion. Compassion is a matter of the heart. Luke 10, beginning in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he had came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go 
and do likewise. The question this man asked, who is my neighbor? Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself here. That's not advancing, Bill. There we go. Here is a, a map. Um, you can see, might be a little bit hard to see. Uh, Jerusalem. Um, I think I've got a... Uh, maybe the laser's not working here. Uh, Jerusalem is down on the left-hand side. And then over to the right, uh, east, is Jericho. It's about 17 miles. And it says that he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho because Jerusalem is about 3,300 feet. And over the course of 17 miles, you end up going below sea level. Um, so it's a, it's a very downward, uh, hilly, rocky wilderness uh, journey. And so this, it's a very dangerous uh, place. And the man comes up to Jesus. And I want you to notice at the outset, he says he's an expert in the law. So this means he knows the law backwards and forwards. He studies the law. He's a Jew. And he asks Jesus this question. Um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, what does Jesus do? He points him back to the law. He says, what's written in the law? He says, you're the expert. You study the law. You've got it memorized. You know it backwards and forwards. So what does it say in the law? How do you read the law? How do you interpret it? And the man gives the right answer. Love the Lord your God based on the answer that Jesus gave in Matthew 22. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Case closed. Except, Jesus said you've answered correctly, do this and live. But then notice in verse 29, he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he wants to justify himself. And he asked the question, who is our neighbor? In other words, he's asking the question, how far does my love have to go and what are the boundaries for my love? You see, I want to know what are the boundaries. That's, that's the way the Jews interpreted everything. They always wanted to know what is the exact point of the law. You know, it was when it came to obeying the Sabbath, they had all these different strict laws. You know, if you spit on the ground and it doesn't land on a stone, you've dug a ditch. You've worked on the Sabbath. They had all these little things and laws that they had. And he wants to know, what's the boundaries of my love? The Jewish legal interpretation wanted to know the limitations of every situation and every relationship. Remember Peter's question? How many times do I need to forgive? He wanted to know, what's the exact number so that when I'm done, I'm done? In other words, when am I done with my love? What's the extent of it? He wanted to know what the boundaries of love were between a Jew and a Gentile. What's the boundaries of love between a Jew and a Roman? What's the boundaries of love between a man and a woman? Between a free man and a slave? Between a priest and a layperson? Between the clean and the unclean? Between a righteous person and a sinner? See, every relationship had to be defined because their whole Jewish identity was wrapped up in that. And so he wanted to know, how far does my love have to go?
God calls us to love just as much as we love ourselves. Beyond that, we need to know who our neighbor is and then what we do about it. After this man was beaten and robbed and left to die by the side of the road, along came three men. I find it interesting they didn't include any women. I don't know, women seem to be more compassionate, it seems like, than men. So he chooses these three men. One is a Jewish rabbi who probably was just coming from the temple, his duties, he had fulfilled his temple duties. He's heading home from Jerusalem back to Jericho. Many Jews lived in Jericho. And so he comes by and he sees this man laying there on, you know, in the ditch, naked, bleeding, half dead. And maybe he thought, well, maybe he's dead because, you know, I'm not allowed to touch the dead. I'll become unclean. But the scripture is very clear. He was half dead. But it was probably out of his comfort zone. I mean, think about it. Would you, what would you do if you saw someone naked, half dead? How would you respond? He passes by on the other side of the road. I've already fulfilled my priestly duties back at the temple. I'm done. Check. And there are so many people that come into church on Sunday morning. I fulfilled my religious obligation because I've been to church. Check. No, we have not fulfilled our religious obligation. It actually begins out there with the people that we run into and the compassion that we show. And then after him comes along this Levite who is also an assistant to the priest in the temple. And a religious person. And what's he do? The Bible says he looks too. He comes to the place and sees him in verse 32 and passes by on the other side. Interesting. Two religious people and neither one of them wanted to get involved. It's like, and how many people claim to be a religious person but they don't get involved in church or God's work or with God's people as they keep everybody at arm's length. Or wait a minute, this person doesn't look quite the way I want them to look. I'm not going to get close to them. And that's the way they responded to this. So who is our neighbor? Well, this is not advancing very good. Here we go. Our neighbor is anyone in need that we are in a position to help. That's what Jesus is saying here. Anyone in need that we are in a position to help, doesn't matter color, race, ethnicity, anybody that we are in a position that we can help. You know, there are more than 560 verses that deal with the responsibility of God's people to the poor and the oppressed. More than 560. Let me give you some of those verses, if it'll advance. <laughs> It's just not moving, Bill. You'll have to move it for me. Now it's going back. Well, let him try to advance it. In Proverbs 14.31, it says, Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. In Proverbs 21.13, If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Isaiah 58.10, 
If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. And then 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? We are blessed when we minister to the poor and we're held accountable when we don't. God has a heart for the poor and he wants us to have one too, like the Good Samaritan who moves beyond having a heart for the poor and actually doing something, getting involved in this man's life. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. John Stott, the great theologian, said it this way, The perspective of Scripture is not the survival of the fittest, but the protection of the weakest. Let's think about this story in today's terms. Imagine that instead of a man left for dead on the side of the road, there's a child. This child is one of 135 million children born into the world each year to begin their journey on the road of life. For children born in the United States and developed countries, they can usually get along fairly well. But more often than not, there's a lot of children in other countries that are less fortunate. One quarter of the children born each year, like the child I want you to imagine today, is on the road of life like the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a dangerous journey filled with bandits of poverty, hunger, and disease. Without mercy, these bandits will strike children and take their life. the bloody pass. And tragically, many of these little ones are lost along the way. Each and every day, nearly 27,000 little young ones, younger than five, lose their lives to these bandits because no one came to their rescue as they lay dying on the side of life's road. Of course, lots of people pass by, like the Jewish priest and the rabbi. Many of them are religious people like you and me, are believers, good people, seeking to live lives pleasing to God. But why do we ignore the cries of the children and pass by on the other side? For many, the needs are too overwhelming. It's not that we don't care. It's nearly that one billion, nearly one billion people exist on less than a dollar a day. Saving one child beaten up and left half dead by poverty doesn't make much difference, you say, because the needs are so great. But God's word directs us to think otherwise and to think a little deeper. The Good Samaritan didn't pass by the other side thinking there's lots of people who get mugged on this road. And I can only imagine how long that man would have laid there in the ditch bleeding and dying had this man not picked him up because it was a wilderness. And he was willing to stop, and not only stop, he went and bandaged up his wounds. (laughs) 
He showed mercy and compassion, medicine, put him on his donkey. The man was so beat up, there was no possible way he could walk. He puts him on his donkey so he can get him to an inn where he can be helped and he pays. He goes the extra mile to care for this man who could not care for himself. I want you to think for a moment about another implication of this story. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, we were bleeding and dying and naked and bleeding on the side of the road. Jesus Christ came to our aid and died on a cross, the bloody pass, so we could be forgiven and we could be cleansed. And what an opportunity we have to show the love of Christ that was shown to us. I want to close with a story of a more recent real-life Good Samaritan and a specific challenge. In 1952, the Korean War was raging. A man by the name of Everett Swanson, an American evangelist, was on a preaching tour of Japan and Korea. Everett shared the gospel with thousands of troops. And by the end of the tour, this young evangelist had led many people to Christ. Certainly he could have gone home satisfied that his mission for God's kingdom had been accomplished and accomplished well. But one thing hounded Everett Swanson. It troubled him all the way back to the United States. Well, in the city of Seoul, Korea, he noticed scores of children who were living on the streets who were orphaned because of the war. They huddled together to keep warm and they begged for coins. The plight of these little children touched Everett's heart. But one morning before he departed for home, he had an experience that did more than touch his heart, it changed his life. On an early walk in the city, Everett glanced up when a flatbed truck stopped a few blocks away from him. Sanitation workers emerged from the cab to gather up trash from the doorways and alleys and gutters along the street. They threw what appeared to be piles of rags onto the truck bed. As he came closer, Everett noticed that the workers were kicking the rag piles before picking them up. Made sense because rats were so common. One rag pile lay in the doorway not far from Everett. He reached it about the same time as one of the workers did. That's when he noticed the pile was not just a tangle of rags. A small arm extended from the pile. And Everett began to make out of the shape of a child sleeping underneath it. Opening his mouth to warn the worker not to kick the pile, the words stuck in his throat as he caught sight of the cargo on the flatbed trailer. The horror he was witnessing dawned on him. The workers were not there to gather trash. They were gathering the bodies of children who had died on the streets overnight. Those who had survived another night of the bitter Korean winter would be awakened by the kick of a sanitation worker, checking for signs of life, only to face another day of hunger, cold, and despair. 
Everett couldn't get this horrific image of Korea's abandoned children out of his mind. Like the rabbi and the priest in Jesus' parable, he could have simply left the country and washed his hands of the matter. They're not my children. It's not my country. It's not my problem. But he didn't. Not sure how to help these poor children, but determined to do whatever he could for those left to die on the streets of Seoul, he returned to the United States and he began asking people to commit to contributing a small amount of money each month. He planned to use the money to provide for the needs of these destitute Korean orphans. Everett Swanson's efforts grew steadily as more people caught the vision to follow Christ's command to go and do likewise. Now, more than 55 years later, what Everett started is a thriving organization called Compassion International. Through the years, Compassion has enabled hundreds of thousands of people to reach out to impoverished children around the world who have been left by life's roadside. Today, I want to challenge us to catch that vision. We can rescue a child in need, a child ravaged by poverty, by becoming a compassion sponsor. As a sponsor, we can make sure that a child gets an education, regular medical care. They can learn about proper hygiene and nutrition to grow healthy and strong. They can also hear the good news of the gospel and be changed by the power of the gospel. As Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan demonstrates, there's great power in one individual reaching out to another individual. I think our love for God is distinguished by our undivided loyalty to Christ, our unwavering faithfulness to the Lord, and our uncompromising obedience to go and do likewise. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would just ask you to bow your heads for a moment and reflect on the message at hand. And maybe what God would have you do in your heart. And that what we do would be done out of a heart of obedience and not out of a heart of guilt. That God would prompt us through a heart of mercy, a heart of compassion. I know I have personally been challenged, and we have taken the challenge as a family to sponsor a child. It's new territory for us, but I think it'll be a great blessing. And I want to challenge you to consider that as well. And even as I said at the outset of the service, we need your regular giving here, and we need to be over and above your regular giving to the church because we have to meet our budget here to carry on the work that God has called us to. 
There have been 124,000 salvation experiences every year of the Compassion Children. So it's a wonderful organization. And I would ask you to prayerfully consider what God would have you do. We will have uh, at the tables out in the lobby with cards you can look over and pray about. And we'll have them also next week as well. Uh, so you can look at those. They also have a website. You can go out and look at the website uh, as well. It have numerous children on there. And I also want us to think about home in Huron. About showing the mercy and love of Christ to those around us. You know, there have been people I've invited to Bethesda Church that I have been concerned that if they come, would they be accepted? I hate to say that, but that's the truth. Or would people look at them and say, that's not the kind of person I want to be around. Not only should we not be around them, we should go and sit with them and put our arm around them. We should never, ever push people away. The longer I'm in ministry, the more I realize we live in a broken world. And there's a lot of broken people. And we don't know their story. And chances are, if we were in their shoes, we would be doing the same thing they're doing. And have gone through some of the difficult hurt and abuse that they've been through. I want to encourage you to look beyond the skin to the heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Another application of the Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan is Jesus Christ. We are the ones who are bleeding and on the side of the road. And it was Jesus who saw us in our bleeding, dead condition and came and died a cruel death on a cross that we could be forgiven. What a, what a heart of mercy God has for us. And if you've never accepted the mercy and forgiveness of God, I would ask you to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your life today. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care how messed up you are. I can tell you God can bring healing into your life. And maybe you feel hopeless or worthless today. I want to tell you something. You are valuable in the eyes of God. And he wants to meet you where you are. If you have spiritual needs in your life, you would like someone to pray with you, I'll be available. We're going to have a short break. We are having a business meeting today, but I'd be glad to pray with you. I'll be late to the business meeting if I need to spend time in prayer with you. Please seek someone out. We're here. Please call the church if we can minister to you. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.